the AC software companies are growing really fast, like 10 to 50%. Who wouldn't be envious of that? And it's a highly profitable segment of, of the market. But with all these integrated individual tools that are disparate and don't really work together, who's left to do all the hard work to integrate all this, this stuff together? Well, it falls on the end user, right? He's gotta be the one who connects all the dots. Welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Design Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. Today, we're talking about the architecture, engineering, and construction industry, and why tech advances in this area have been relatively stagnant for the past couple of decades. In this episode, I'm talking to Derek England, who's a product manager at Siemens Digital Industries Software. In part one of our three-part series with Derek, we're discussing trends in the AEC industry, improving tech implementation, and why integration may be key to widespread adoption. Before we begin, let's meet today's guests. Derek, could you take a minute to introduce yourself to the audience and tell everyone about your role at Siemens Digital Industry Software? I'm Derek England. I'm the NX product manager for AEC and BIM at Siemens Digital Industries Software. I've been doing this for 25 years now, and uh, I've had the privilege of working you know, with some of the most innovative companies in the world, understanding their workflows, helping them achieve their goals. And my job is really to understand these and then make and suggest enhancements to our product to make it even better so that they're even more productive. Thank you, Derek, for joining today and talking to us about the challenges that are facing AEC companies as they evolve and streamline the design, engineering, and construction processes. Can you give us a little bit of an overview on the topic? It's a challenge today to make sure that all these projects are done on time and on budget. One of the, the big challenges is coordinating these design activities, you know, especially between like you know, general contractor and subcontractors and ensuring that we're all working from the same page. It's particularly challenging because there's just a lot of, you know, user errors and inefficiencies and the really innovative companies that are really pushing the envelope, trying to get best practices and, and best processes utilized in their company, they are, aren't satisfied with the current set of tools out there. It feels like these tools are disconnected and disjointed and, you know, trying to pull together all these disparate tools. It's a real challenge. What key trends do you see emerging in the AEC industry? What do some of those challenges look like in a real world setting? Some of the challenges are that the construction companies that are in this, you know, the profit margins are really thin. So if you can compare it to like automotive or aerospace or machinery, the profit margins are like on the level of like retail. So these are companies that are, you know, must be really efficient. They don't have room to go over budget and, and lose on these projects. But they also experience a lot of project overruns and delays because of issues, you know, that they discover, you know, on site. But it's also really innovative industry. Can you tell us about some of the recent innovations that you've seen? There's so many new innovations and improved software and new construction technologies. They've got stuff like um, some of the scanning technology. They've got like 360 degree cameras. They've got drones that are scanning work sites making this process of scanning just so much easier. I mean, they even have like a robotic dog that walks around scanning stuff through like hallways. It's like right out of sci-fi. It's really cool stuff. 
We also like see a lot of use of like virtual reality now too. You see like owner operators are able to like put on VR headsets and, and start basically immersing themselves in the design very early, which is great because when they're there and they can see it, they can visualize it accurately. And so as things progress, they don't say, oh, I'm surprised by this. I wish this was different. Maybe we should change this because they know, you know, very early what the final result is. And so they really, this gives a, a much better way to interact with the owner operators in fewer things. Are there any real world examples that you could give us of this kind of process at work? It was really cool. They had this one example where a guy sat down in a theater that they were designing and he said, what can what does the stage look like, you know, from this vantage point? And then he moved over or sat somewhere else and he could see what the stage looked like from that vantage point. What are the beams or columns that are obstructing the view? And you could see that right from the seat. So it was really fascinating and great use of VR technology. What advancements are you seeing in this area with regards to the metaverse? Metaverse is really cool because like in construction, you know, software has its place, right? We design it and then it goes off to construction and you can use it to refer back to the original design and things like that. But metaverse is all design, right? It's all software. And so it gives you this, you know, this is our world now, right? Our software, you know, is used to design things. And then you explore that world, you know, in the metaverse. And so really, this is a, a great opportunity for us. There is no construction side. It's just software, just creating. And so it, it gives you a lot of flexibility for people too to explore and create these worlds that you couldn't otherwise, you know, like we went to the, like, you know, like you think about like in, in LA, I, I like cars and the Ke Peterson car museum is really cool. And, uh, but most of the cars are down, like hidden away in like a garage that you don't really go see. Wouldn't it be cool to be, have just this infinite size showroom where you could highlight different cars? So instead of having a finite look spot that you could showcase cars in their museum, you could have almost an infinite space to, to showcase, you know, things. So the metaverse is really pretty exciting and it, it really hits the target market for, for design. Are there any particularly exciting themes that you've seen emerging in this area? Modular and prefabricated construction. I mean, this is really evolving and, and accelerating. If you have to build on site, you know, you have to take a whole crew and move them somewhere, put them on site for a period of time. And it can take a long time, especially, you know, in remote areas, it's really difficult. And so to be able to build it in a kind of a factory setting and then assemble it on site within a period of a day or two, that's changing the industry. With all those innovations, what impact have you seen on the construction industry in particular? You see lots of these point solutions getting creative. And so it does improve that particular need, right? But we also see construction productivity over the last 20 years hasn't really improved, according to like Deloitte. They did a study and they kind of showed what's going on, you know, productivity-wise, you know, construction versus like general machinery and then also like automotive. And what you see is is companies that are doing like automotive, you know, per person, they're 60% more productive today than they were 20 years ago. But in construction, it really is still pretty flat. Now, it's not just because of software, but it kind of calls out that basically we're not getting more efficient in construction area, right? We're, we're pretty flat. And all these point solutions are improving little steps of the process. We're not seeing the big dramatic gains like we see like in, in automotive and other industries. Why do you think that is, that this new technology isn't being implemented quite as expected? You do see companies are investing in improving their design processes. You know, they really are trying to leverage this new capabilities. 
And sometimes it's pushed by, you know, reg government regulations, like governments will say, you need to have a 3D model to represent this project or this building or whatever. And so they are adapting it because, you know, they're required to. But we, we still see the old same processes are still there as well. So it's like, yes, you need a 3D model, but I also want to have 2D drawings as well. And, and the 2D drawing is the master. So they are kind of realizing some steps, you know, small elements of, of improvement but not big gains like you'd expect, right? And it's a little, a little bit mystifying because they, it's not like they're not spending money on software because the AEC design software business has been growing like at a very high pace, right? So the software is growing at 10 to 15%, but productivity is not increasing by 10 to 15%. And so there's a mismatch. Like it seems like, yes, we're providing solutions here, but the solutions aren't having a big impact. They're having small impacts. You said there was a bit of improvement in the AEC productivity, but not nearly as much as other industries. Why do you think that might be? So uh, Deloitte estimates that there's a 5% improvement over this time. And automotive is about 60%. So it, there's a dramatic difference there. CEOs are starting to kind of scratch their head and say, why is there such a large discrepancy? What can we learn from these other industries? What can I learn from automotive or what can I learn from machinery? You know, how do they do things? Is that something we can adopt? And is it so different that we can't leverage some of their best practices and, and, and design production or, or you know, manufacturing techniques in, in construction? And so it's a tricky question. They're still struggling to try to figure out, you know, why aren't we getting better productivity? Are there best practices used by other industries that could be leveraged in engineering and construction? Some things are unique, right? With AEC, right? There's a lot of local regulations, you know, so you've got, a, you've got local, you've got state, you've got government, federal government type regulations for, for construction. And so some of those things, you know, it takes time to do inspections for all the different disciplines. That is an impact, right? And, and that doesn't go decrease over time. It's always more, right? So that's impacting some of the productivities because you need to have these checks and balances as part of AEC. So it is not just on the software side. There's also challenges in the labor market, right? We've seen that for every two people that retire from the labor market, we're only getting replaced by one. And so they're struggling. They're saying, I need to be more productive, right? I have to get to this level where I can do twice as much with one person because that's what I've got available to me now, right? But in addition to that, there are so many opportunities for us to improve the design process, you know, in the digital space as well. With the lack of adoption and implementation so far, where do you see space for these improvements to actually be made? There's this funny article, like, or I've seen it on like Huffington Post and I've seen it on Pinterest and things like that. It's a Radio Shack ad from 1991. This page shows like 15 different products that were on sale for President's Day, you know, and you look at all these products and they're individual products. So they had things like, you know, they'd have a phone, they had an answering machine, they had like a camera, they had a clock, they had an alarm clock, they had headphones, they had, you know, all these different products, right? And then you look at that now and 13 of the 15 of these products are probably on your smartphone right now. Your phone can certainly make phone calls, it can do voicemails, it can take pictures and videos, record your voice, it can play music, it's a calculator, it tells the time, the weather, you know, it can be used for word processing and playing games. It's like all these things can be done on your phone. 
And so, you know, over time things got better. And what's really cool is that a lot of these things are integrated together, right? So I have a contact, I can look up, you know, Jen Piper on my contact and I can just say, call her immediately, right? I don't have to like write down her number, go over to a different device and then call. If I wanted to take a picture and, and store that, you know, it, it's not like I have to take a picture, scan it and then put it on my computer. You know, all these things integrated together just offers a ton of benefit, right? That they're all integrated together. And, and all these point solutions have really become obsolete. It really is pretty incredible how much those capabilities have changed over the last 30 years and the innovations that have been made. So what can we learn from the Radio Shack example about the AEC market? Today in, a, in the AEC software market, there's lots of these innovative capabilities you know, being developed. And these companies, like I talked about, the AC software companies are growing really fast, like 10 to 50%. Who wouldn't be envious of that? And it's a highly profitable segment of, of the market. But with all these integrated individual tools that are disparate and don't really work together, who's left to do all the hard work to integrate all this, this stuff together? Well, it falls on the end user, right? He's got to be the one who connects all the dots. Like, I'm going to integrate all these things together. It seems like better, more cohesive integration might just be the key to this problem. Are you seeing steps being made to actively work towards this? Software vendors are beginning to recognize this weakness, right? Even last year, the Autodesk CEO, he, in kind of in response to an open letter to, to Autodesk saying, we're, we're frustrated you know, from the users, he, he basically came out and said, Autodesk still has a lot of work to do on the technology that supports its products. The company has scores of different software titles used by different kinds of architects, engineers, and designs, and not all of them share all not all of them share data easily. And so he laid out a five-year plan to put this thing together. Do you see that as a reasonable timeline for such an advancement? As somebody who works in the software segment and who have gone through many acquisitions and integrating the software into core, you know, software. It's hard work. You have to get the data models lined up and to be able to have this seamless integrated ability to kind of work seamlessly between these applications. Five years is incredibly optimistic. It's hard, hard work. Or the other option is you don't really build a tight integration and you have some kind of neutral file that you're sharing behind the scenes, which doesn't really give you a robust way to share data or build tight integrations between the products. So it's a, it's a lot of work to do on their side, uh, by the AC company's side, to kind of pull together and integrate all these things. And, and we just haven't seen an appetite in most AC companies to, to, to integrate their products. They're happy to have them be point solutions. So if their productivity is so profoundly affected, why do you think there hasn't been bigger pushback from these AEC companies? That was like part of the open letter but it, it is kind of a quiet, you know, angst going, going on with, with the users. There was that open letter to the Autodesk CEO a couple of years ago. But you also see that like presentations at conference. Um, HOK is this large U.S.-based architectural engineering firm. And Greg uh, Schlusner, he's the director of design and technology. And his job is constantly valuing technology to, to make sure they have the best processes for HOK employees. And he gave this great presentation uh, called Road to Nowhere based on the song, I think by Talking Heads, right? And he kind of used that as kind of, a, you know, his mantra. So he was just talking about like how you have this integration of products and, and every single product is kind of like as a place where you dump data, right, into a hole. 
And, and then the humans are left to kind of pick up the data out of one hole, configure it and dump it into the next hole, right? And it's just the constant process of just moving data from you know point A to point B. And they're at the heart of the ones who have to move this data. And and his feeling is like, why why does the, the human have to be at the center of this to, to kind of connect all these different tools? Derek, with all of these issues you've identified for us thus far in the conversation, and of course the possible solutions, I'm curious what you're hearing from Siemens customers firsthand. I noticed that that we had these customers, not from our traditional industries like aerospace and automotive and machinery, that were using our product for doing things like bridge design or tunnels or railways. And it got me curious, like, why are these companies using something that's not a like a traditional BIM tool to do BIM work? BIM is building information modeling. Most people see BIM as the pinnacle of I've got a rich 3D representation of my model with all the information required for the manufacturing and construction embedded into the model, right? That's the information part of it. And so if you have that rich set of data, you can start to build this digital twin because you've got all the information on the design side that could be extracted and leveraged throughout like this digital thread through the whole digital twin. And what was the feedback that you got from them? I've met with several of these customers and have been working with them over the years now. For example, like Max Bugel, they're a hundred year old German construction company. One of the largest construction companies in Germany. It's a $2 billion annual revenue company in Germany. About 10 to 15 years ago, they realized that their designs were becoming really complex and it was really too difficult and error prone to design and document, you know, and manufacture complex designs with their current set of tools, right? And so they said, well, what would happen if we explored an integrated set of tools? And so they initially kind of started with NX for manufacturing. And then they realized, well, there's a lot of benefits if I have an integrated solution between, you know, the design and the manufacturing. Whenever I make a change in the design, the manufacturing just kind of updates, right? And then the same with simulation as well. You know, if I make a change to the model, you know, I don't have to, you know, go reapply all the boundary conditions or loads anymore. I can just update them because I've got an integrated set of tools. And it just saved them so much time that they decided that we're gonna go with NX and, and start using NX more and more. And then when it came time for their modular department, uh, Max Module, they said, well, you know, we need to integrate like, the, you know, structural, we need to do electrical, we need to do piping, we need to do, you know, concrete. There's all these different disciplines together. What do we use? Right. And, and so they decided to, to to go ahead and use NX. And and from that, for them, they say, you know, Team Center and NX is really the ultimate BIM solution. So it seems like that concept of collaboration between technologies really remains the key piece to this entire puzzle. I just bought a, a used home. It was about 20 years old. Everything needed to be replaced. When I did it, I replaced all the appliances. You know, it was like, I'm going to do high-end appliances. I do all these smart appliances. So I have smart oven, a smart fridge, smart washer dryer, smart lock on the front door. I've got a smart doorbell. I've got a smart thermostat. And I'm like, man, this is like so cool. Even got my son, my teenage son's attention. He's like, dad, it's so cool. We've got a smart house. 
So my son was telling me how cool our smart house was. I think the washer stopped, like cycle was over and it popped up in my TV screen. And he's like, oh, dad, dad, it just showed up. It showed me my washing is done on the TV. And I'm like, it's so cool that we have a smart house. And my wife, she's always very skeptical. And so she said, oh, how smart is it? She goes, Alexa, turn the thermostat down to 75 degrees. And then Alexa says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what a house is. And so how smart really was this? And yes, eventually I could I could build that integration in. Like I could teach Alexa, you know, how to interoperate with these things. And that's effectively what a lot of these companies are doing, that tools don't naturally talk to each other, you know, out of the box. So you kind of have to teach them. And there's a lot of rework and there's customization that needs to occur. And that integration isn't the simplest thing to implement, is it? That's the challenge is that you, you, you have these great individual solutions and they can kind of talk to each other. But when you roll it all up, do you have that smart, tightly integrated set of products? And, and that's the challenge that, that we see. That's just my house. You know, imagine what like a building has to do with like fire sensors and plumbing for, for fire suppression and, you know, things to understand whether doors are open or closed and, you know, all these things that need to be monitored. And who's going to monitor it? How do you pull all this together? I would imagine it's even more complex than, say, on the AEC level. They have these capabilities for electrical. They have capabilities for plumbing and they have ones for HVAC and structural steel, all of these things, they have these individual tools. And then on top of that, you need to analyze how they work together. And then you need to, you know, simulate that, you know, it's, it's a real difficult trying difficult situation, trying to integrate all these tools to get a, a good solution. And it feels a little bit like some of the software vendors are a little deaf to this, this challenge, right? It's only now being highlighted in the last six months that you hear anyone talking about this challenge. And it, but it's really one of the, at the heart of where this these challenges occur and the you know lack of productivity, achieving improved productivity. I think that's really at the heart of why we can't get improve productivity. You mentioned briefly the use of the digital twin. I'd like to know how integrated multidiscipline BIM design works with the digital twin. The BIM is really just the, the capturing of the data, you know, making sure you have all the data in one location with all the information required to flow downstream, right? And so the digital twin is really enables the loopback mechanism, right? So I want to make sure that if I find issues, right, during the construction process, I can build that back into my original design so that future projects will look for this issue and ensure that we avoid these issues, right? So the digital twin really enables me to, to capture this information and knowledge and embed it so that next time I can learn and be better, more productive. Can you expand a bit on that concept of the digital twin as the loopback mechanism? Today, every single project is a bespoke project, right? And it feels like we tend to make the same mistakes over and over again because we're not we're not able to learn to put into our design process the things we learned from from past projects, right? That's what the digital twin enables us to do. It enables us to actually realistically simulate, you know, in the physical world in the digital space. So if I needed to, if I had a a problem, right, in the physical world, I could go immediately to my digital twin and said, okay, what's impacting that? What's connected to that? And I can find everything that's you know associated with that problem, right? Because it's all tied together with a digital twin. 
So that's a little bit about digital twin. The digital thread we don't talk a lot about like in the area of AEC, but it really is the, the ability to, to flow this information between all the applications, right? Today, there's talk about like open BIM, like having a standard that basically everybody writes to. And so we can all read this. So today, things like neutral file formats like IFC are promoting like openness, right? So if everyone out outputs IFC, that's great. And, and then we can read this information in. And a lot of that data is preserved BIM information that's embedded into the, the geometry. And then you have the geometry as well. But really, you know, what's the level of integration there? Am I going to be able to identify like manufacturing operations were applied to this face here during a change? Am I going to understand how to react to that change? What about labeling of faces and edges to enable, you know, simulation to update automatically when I make a change? So that digital thread, you know, you want it to be really robust so that when you make a change, it propagates through all the applications. Before we go, I'd like to look forward a bit. Where do you see the AEC trends taking us, say, three to five years out? Definitely, like we talked about today, you know, integration between disciplines has to improve, right? I think that's a huge inhibitor to making great productivity gains, right? Currently, you know, you hear a lot of vendors talk about like an open standard, and that's really the easiest thing to do is I don't have to worry about integrating it. I just output something and then somebody else has to move it from one application to the next. So a lot of people are talking about this open standard, but not really taking accountability of how that's gonna work with the next downstream application, right? And so I think that's what's gonna change is people are not gonna be happy having this, the, a person at the center of this moving data from here to here and having to do the hard work of integrating and find changes. That's hard work and it's value. There's no value added there. It's just trying to replicate what I have in this system in this other system. And I have a lot of work to do to, to do that, right? And, and I don't wanna have to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Where do you see an endpoint for that integration obstacle? Today, people are still convinced that this best in breed type solution where I buy an application that's hyper-focused on exactly what I wanna do. And for somebody that does like steel structures, that's all I do, it's great, I just use this. And then I throw it over the wall to my general contractor and say, you deal with it now. And so the general contractor has to deal with it. And if there are issues or changes, he has to communicate it back to that person. And so if everybody uses their own tool and just kind of throws it over the wall, that mentality can exist you know, in the future. There has to be this idea of integration. And you see this more, right? It used to be very you know, design, bid, build. That was the, the working, method in this industry. And now you see a lot more design and build. So the person who designs it has to also build it. And so there is more collaboration working now, but it's still being done with disparate tools. And when you try to do it with disparate tools and you're trying to use some kind of common open tool to open format to kind of connect these things, the whole process is only as good as your weakest link. And so I feel like things will get better little bit by little bit. And then somebody's just going to say, this is not workable. This is not scalable. I need to have a tightly integrated solution. I need a software vendor who's going to understand this and provide me an, uh, an integrated set of tools so I can accomplish these things and make changes very easily. And, and the impact of these changes are well understood and communicated to all the different downstream applications. So I think you'll see a lot more people looking to say, okay, I understand. We need to look at this holistically, not like discipline by discipline. So Derek, this is just the first conversation of this podcast series. I wonder, can you give our listeners a little bit of insight into the next couple of episodes and what we'll be talking about there? 
We're gonna talk about collaboration between people, right? Today we talked a lot about a collaboration of tools, different softwares, but tomorrow we're gonna talk about just the challenges with people collaborating together and working together in a shared space. Thank you so much to Derek for joining us today on the Next Generation Design Podcast. Please stay tuned for part two and part three of our conversations with Derek on the AEC topic. Thanks also to our listeners for joining us today. Join us next time for more discussions about the latest in design innovation and software applications. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper, and this has been Next Generation Design. 